Thank you for downloading episode 300 dun, of dun, We dun, Got dun, This dun, with dun, Mark dun. and Hal. We did it. Oh, do you hear that music? That is Look at these balloons. Oh, there's balloons falling. We did it. Oh, these balloons are everywhere. This can't be good to the environment. They're going to pop at some point. Or we're going to have to throw them out. That's fair. Thank you for listening to this episode. Before we get started, we wanted to let you know about our special holiday show coming up on December 10th at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern time on HouseSeats.live. It is our We Got This public domain holiday spectacular. That's right. We've got a clean sleigh of topics suggested by you. Those are being gathered as we speak, as we record this for you on our Facebook group. And we have a very special guest. You know we can't do a holiday episode without her. The great Paget Brewster will be joining us to adjudicate some clean sleigh topics submitted by you, the listeners. That's right. You know her. You love her. We love her even more than you do, people of the world. And we are very excited to have Paget back on the show. And we've got some musical guests and we've got some really fun surprises that our producer, Ken Plume, has been working on. One in particular, I think you're really going to get a kick out of. So, yeah, join us December 10th, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on HouseSeats.live. That's right. Ticket sales benefit Lyft, which empowers families to break the cycle of poverty. Some of our guests include the Double Clicks, Mike Furman, who created our theme song, and the wonderful Open Mike Eagle. And that's just a sample of what you're going to get when you come to our show. So enjoy some comedy, some music, an old-time holiday special, and raise money for a great charity while doing it. Go to HouseSeats.Live right now. Well, yeah, we'll wait. Okay, did you do it? Yeah, you did it, right? They you did definitely it. They did, did it. it. Great. Enjoy this episode of We Got This with Mark and Hal. Hello, I'm Hal Lublin. And I'm Mark Gagliardi. Since the dawn of humanity, one issue has gone unsettled. With the fate of the world in the balance, we're here to settle once and for all. Episode 300, Mailbag Questions. That's right. Don't worry, everyone. We got this. Podcasts should have a theme song. Podcasts should not have a theme song. Yes, they should. No, they shouldn't. They sound good. Yeah, but people are just going to skip past it. Hmm. You know what? You're right. We got this. Mark, congratulations. Who knew when we, we started did this? It. Oh Almost six years ago. I know. Oh, brother, this is very exciting. It's crazy to think that we've made it this far. Yeah. That we did it. And that I'm guessing you weren't aware that we were this close to 300. I definitely wasn't. No, I knew that we were up high up in the 200s, but I guess it makes sense if we do one a week and we've been going for almost six years, man. Yeah. In hey. fact, by that math, shouldn't we have hit episode 300 a long time ago? I don't know. Oh, wait, hold on. Let me. I'm not going to do math for this episode. We started in March. <laughs> I thought we started on January 1st and we did it then. No, we started in March because I remember we started right around uh, the time that Thrilling Adventure Hour ended. That's right. So in I'm fact, going to, I'm going we to murdered it live this. during an episode. This, oh, you're going to pop. Right. Oh, the, okay, please. Hey, I don't that was know how nice. that sounded. Is that a bottle of soda? It is a, so here's what I've been doing for those who, who <laughs> are curious. If you uh, enjoy beer and you also have a soda stream at home, oh, Lord. buy yourself Grolsch beer because after you're finished with the beer, they have these tops that you can uh, reattach that seal really nicely. So they're perfect for uh, soda water. When do you think that this is the type of top for those of you who can't see it, which is all of you, 
Unless you're hallucinating. If you're on a peyote trip in the desert and you're able to see podcasts, congratulations. It's or if one you of know what things- Grolsch looks like, yeah. there, there might be fewer of those than people who are currently on ayahuasca or peyote. It's that thing of like a ceramic or plastic top and it's got a metal ring through it and there's another metal ring. So you're actually like you're turning the metal ring on top to seal it in place. I'm doing a terrible job. If I had to go to the patent office, it would be rejected the second you I know, started just, describing Just imagine it. any bottle that's on a shelf at a Cracker Barrel. Right. All of those bottles. They all look like, yeah. When do you think that technology started? I don't have an answer. I know you don't have an answer. I saw you look over where your computer screen is to see if you can look it up. (laughs) No, I didn't. I, I, by the way, you're on my computer screen. I have so many screens in front of me right now. It's ridiculous. I do feel a little bit like Tony Stark. I Mm kind of, here's the thing that I wanted to do. I wanted to, because I have a bunch of like, you know, just remotes and a million things with buttons on my desk. Right. I wanted to build like a proper starship control panel where everything fits into it. Uh-huh. And like these, but this little panel of buttons here, nobody has to know that it's just a remote sitting inside a little cradle with a shell over the top of it. It just looks like a number panel of buttons yeah. and this little dial and this, but come on, how cool would that be to have a desk that looked like a spaceship? Yeah, nobody, it would be amazingly cool and nobody would have to know it was just the Staples easy button five times. <laughs> Nobody would have to know. I'm you know what? One- That's what they use on the the uh, on the uh, the. Uh, oh, I ruined that. Uh, Ken, <laughs> cut this out. What's the no. name of that show? What's Keep the name in. of that show? The one that Seth, what's his name, makes. Oh my god, I'm turning into that my mother who's like, well, who's the name of the guy on the show that I like? <laughs> Perry uh, Como, Seth, Seth MacFarlane, Family Guy. Show. Oh, forget it. Oh, the space show. I don't remember and we'll never, you know what? That will be the great mystery of this show is we will never ever utter the name <laughs> of that television program ever. We will never look it up. We we'll will never, never. And by I the way, all of these ways to look things up directly in front of me. I, this is a, cha- a tangent within a tangent. I'm just wondering how old you think that bottle cap technology is. The Orville. Damn it. <laughs> I didn't look it up. It popped in my brain. We didn't even make it to episode 301 and the vow was broken. <laughs> what on earth? Uh, yeah, look how this show is all about breaking rules, man. That's what we do. It's true. We're renegade pirate radio, baby. Since you don't want to answer, I'm just going to say, I think that, what was your that bottle cap, I'm wondering how old you think that bottle cap technology is. Oh, probably, uh, probably older than Orville Redenbacher. <sighs> we decided to do something special for our 300th episode. <laughs> I feel dirty. I feel like that. I feel like that technology is the same age as the technology that put rivets on Levi Strauss's jeans. Sure, that's my guess. Or the foot measuring device that looks like it. It was. Uh, it was made for. It just looks like a lot of things that would be at the Kellogg Sanitarium. <laughs> that, along with their invention of cornflakes as a digestif. That's right. It was an accident. It was yeah. an accident. They were trying to make crackers and they messed it up. Anyway. What we did for, I think we did this for our five-year anniversary. We did a, did a mailbag, did sort of a mailbag I think. I mm-hmm. can't remember the last time we did it. Ken is on this call but muted, and we will not allow him to give us the answer. <laughs> We're doing this. This is off the top of our head. We did a mailbag segment yeah. for a special episode, and people really responded to it. And we thought it would be fun to take our 300th episode to answer some of your questions, both about the show and about us, and just sort of talk and, and let you behind the wizard's veil. As yeah, ooh, you're going like to meet that. the man behind the curtain. So I want to kick this off. And also the boy behind the curtain. The How is the man behind the 
curtain. I'm the boy behind the curtain. <laughs> I have two questions from Donna White. I'm going to lead off with those. All right. Donna asks, how has the show changed since it started? And what do you wish you'd known at the beginning? Hmm. I think that we feel freer. Tell me if you think I'm way off on this. No, I'm, I mean, we may have different opinions, but I have, yeah. I'm interested to hear what your answer is. I, I feel like at the beginning, I was so hyper-focused on just staying to the topic. Right. <laughs> and I think fairly early on, we realized that sticking to the topic, just the absolute letter of it, as if we were working as real experts in some sort of a, an academic panel about this. Uh, was not nearly as fun as just figuring out what Hal did that day. And you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, part of it is that that first five minutes of uh, a morning talk show where before they get to any of the pre-planned segments, they just BS for a while. And I love that. I, yeah, I agree with you. I think it took us a while to break out of, you know, we had both come from doing thrilling adventure hours. So there was a performative mm -hmm. aspect to it. But I, I think we knew, or at least I knew, that I really wanted it to be conversational, that it was mm -hmm. about the topic. And I think there's fun in debating it because people have opinions about any and everything that we discuss, including us. But the fun of it is for them to feel like they're hanging out with us. If you're yelling at your phone when we're discussing something or you feel the need to write us afterwards, that means we did our job yeah. because we got you engaged and you were interested in it. And it's a conversation that you would like to have. And I think that's aside from production wise figuring out why does mark right. sound compressed because we were recording skype calls and sure. ken really deserves the credit for a lot of that and how we sound mm -hmm. uh, we're, we're gonna talk a little bit about in fact sarah larson asked i just want to roll this into that hold on how a second i want to add one more thing before yeah yeah, you yeah go ahead that. one more wonderful surprise for me was the community that it created. I yeah. thought we would just be talking to each other about these things. You mentioned the people of the world and the, the you know, the people want to yell at their phones and talk about it and get engaged online with the Facebook group afterward. That has been such a pleasant surprise for me that we're starting civil conversations, civil debates is which was always the goal for us to have them. So it's fun that other people are jumping in the game and having fun too. Hundred percent, hundred percent, and in, in that line, this is all this is all related to that. Mm -hmm. Don asked, "What do you wish you'd known at the beginning?" And a lot of that, I think, is technological. I'm okay with, and I assume you're also okay with, Mark, that we mm -hmm. are constantly maybe making little tweaks to the format. We're willing to experiment, but it it sort of is is what it is at yeah. at its core, and we embrace that and are always willing to try to build off of it. But, you know, we like what it is. So I think we had that kernel from the beginning. But technologically, there's been a lot to learn. And Sarah asked, how did Kate McManus and Ken Plume get involved with the show? Well, Ken has been a dear friend for, I think Ken and I met, I want to say it was eight years ago, seven, eight years ago. We first met face-to-face -face at South by Southwest and hit it off and just became great friends as a result of that. And when we were starting the podcast, he was very encouraging. He was very, he was instrumental in getting everything set up just from an advice standpoint. And then in listening to it and giving his feedback and then offering at a certain point to, he, he started by just mastering it saying, I'll, I'm willing to master it. I did all of the editing. And then eventually as we joined Max Fun, it became more, he was still producing at that point, but just took on more and more responsibility. And, and yeah. it wouldn't be the show that it is and that it has been at any point without him. So yeah, he's absolutely. A, he's Ken's the silent voice, the silent third voice of the show. 
Absolutely. And then Kate, we knew through, we had met Kate, I think in Chicago. I think she came to the C2E2 show. Mm-hmm. She had been a fan of Thrilling Adventure Hour and then started listening to We Got This. And she was like, you idiots are wrong about a lot of stuff. <laughs> well, she, she works as a librarian. And so yeah. she has a lot of experience researching and just, she just volunteered. So I'll email her. Sometimes I will email her. Sometimes I won't, depending on how quickly a topic comes up from mm-hmm. suggestion to us recording it. We'll get into that a little bit more. But that is how she became involved. We're actually going to hear from Kate in a little bit about what goes into the research for an episode. I'm going to jump back to Donna. Okay. Who asks, is there an idea, topic, bit, or personal story from an episode that has surprised you with its popularity among the people of the world? What do we mention the most? Uh, spite pretzels, shower pie, coffee filter, toilet paper. These are some <laughs> things that, that come up over and over again. There are certain details about your life and my life <laughs> that are such wonderful insights into who we are, both good and bad as people in our strengths and our weaknesses. And I think the discussion about having a beer in the shower versus having a pie in the shower is one of those that just resonates so wonderfully. And also, man, people got really obsessed when I went over my toilet paper list. Yeah. I don't know if I've given the toilet paper list in a while. For those who don't know, bring it back. I'm going to bring this back. I always had a tendency for years to not remember to go and buy toilet paper when I would be out. I would be on the, I think I'm actually think I'm on my last roll now. I got to remember to do that today because there is a hierarchy, I think, of things that you use for toilet paper by necessity and it starts with toilet paper obviously and then kleenex because if you have any kleenex around but if you have yeah you have kleenex or usually you're using toilet paper as kleenex because you don't have kleenex around it's not the other way around and then paper towels are next down on the list and if there are no paper towels then a little further down there's a big step drop in this is coffee filters the basket kind not the cone kind because those have sharp edges And then a little further down from that is notebook paper crumpled up and then reopened and then crumpled up and then reopened and then crumpled up and then reopened so that it gets a little softer. And then further down from there, if I don't I inexplicably say, have any notebook hold paper. On. I thought you were going to say, not only can you wipe with it, but it will tell you your future because you keep opening <laughs> and closing it. Yeah, it's like a dream. What are those called? Uh, uh, cootie catchers? Yeah. Uh, what is the number of times that you wipe? Okay, one, two, three. <laughs> Yeah, you oh, get it. How gets me? I'm going to own an island. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I, I missed Bottoming one. the list. I missed one that's, th- it's not even bottom of the list. It is most proximitous on the list, which oh, is, oh. I'm going to say it, the tube itself. Oh, Lord. The toilet you paper you, tube itself. I, I'm not going to get pulled into this. I'm not going to, not, not an <laughs> episode 300. I'm going to resist because <laughs> I have so many questions here that I, that I think are so great. We, I, we didn't even get to all of the questions that were asked, but mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't even get them all. In the Sorry. Show. I took up so much time with my toilet paper list. I don't think people mind. For me, it would be the spite pretzels, which you bring up. That is something that is mentioned almost all the time. Oh, there are things that pretzels. come back. There are definitely things that come back and are mentioned, but the pretzels Mm -hmm. really seems to bother people because it wasn't as much a decision as us just spiting one another into pretzels. You and I both just became so intractable in our, in my case, correct choice of what the shape of a pretzel is. And in your case, your highly biased regionalism of what a pretzel looks like. And we were just intractable on that. And we wound up choosing the pretzel rod as the best pretzel shape, which... 
It might still actually technically be. Mm-hmm. See? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Moving on. I'm going to go. Some of these are show related. Some of these are just general. I think this is a good yeah. one for you, Mark, more than me, although I could certainly answer it. Sandy Page asks, what was the weirdest thing you've ever seen slash experienced at Disneyland? The weirdest thing I've ever seen or experienced at Disneyland. I mean, I worked there for nine years, so I've seen some, uh, I've seen some stuff. Let me think about this. We're the, Is it the Mickey's butthole show. It's the Mickey's butthole show. The magical butthole. You know what? I'll give you an example of a show misfire. Okay. Uh, surprising moment. Mm-hmm. And then I'll give you an example of a thing that really, really touched me and surprised me. Great. So, uh, here's a show misfire. There's a scene in Aladdin, a musical spectacular where Jafar makes the genie appear and the genie's in the shower is the bit. The genie's got like a scrub brush and is singing in the shower and like he's caught off guard. That's the bit. And then the genie screams and throws the brush over his shoulder off the stage. I am holding in this scene the lamp and the brush and i appear and i've got the lamp in my hand and take the lamp from jafar and i'm holding the scrub brush is the bit uh and i'm scrubbing 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 and uh i see jafar and i shriek and i throw the lamp over my shoulder off stage now this is aladdin's magic lamp i have just thrown off the stage i realize in this moment that there is absolutely no chance that the audience didn't realize what I had just done and also no chance that we could continue the show otherwise. So I just, I had to embrace it and I just turned to the crowd and I said, I'm going to be honest with you. I just threw the wrong prop off stage. I will be right back. And I turned to the actor playing Jafar and I said, Jafar, stay right where you are. I looked at the stage and said, everybody hold. I'm just going to go get the prop that I threw off stage that was the wrong prop. And I made it so giantly overblown. And then when I came back, I was very excited because it's the scene where I try to make Jafar laugh. And he was already laughing. At this point. <laughs> That's fantastic. I'll tell you a very heartwarming story that made me very happy. We had a wonderful woman working in the park by the name of Mary Poppins. Mary Poppins Actual was name. this was Mary Poppins at Disneyland. Practically perfect in every way. Practically perfect in every way. And Mary Poppins met a special needs kid once who was their uh, Make-A-Wish kid. And this is how wonderful Mary Poppins is. This Make-A-Wish kid, all that they wanted to do was ride on the carousel with Mary Poppins because that's what she does in the movie is they ride on a carousel. So Mary Poppins turns to every every character has a character lead and the character leads answer to the manager of that department. Mary Poppins turned to her lead and said, get me the manager. Got the manager on the phone. And said, every character that is out meeting people in the park right now, this kid just touched her heart so much that she did this. Uh, She said, every character that's in the park right now, get everyone to the carousel. So not only did this kid get to ride the carousel with Mary Poppins, this Make-A-Wish kid got to ride the carousel with every single, there was not a horse empty on that carousel. And there was no one on that carousel except that kid and Disney characters. And that was one of those moments that was just pretty magical. That's unreal. And then at the end of the ride, yeah. you heard that as all yeah. the characters and all dispersed. the horses like they, they escaped. <laughs> they dispersed from the carousel. <laughs> right out. No one has seen Piglet since. Well, that was his chance. He always yeah. wanted to see what Anaheim was like. Yeah. Eli Wright asks, how many episodes do you typically record at a time and how frequently do you record? Well, this is 
Eli, this is a great question. This is our first time recording together since I believe was it August that you yeah, went to we go banked film? a ton of shows. We yeah. banked uh, enough no, episodes in September. We banked enough episodes through I, I would say like beginning slash middle of September that we were covered through to th- this episode that you are listening to now which releases on the 8th of December in the evening here on the West Coast, was recorded on Sunday the 6th. Remember, remember, the 8th of December. So we are now in the process of rebanking episodes. We try to get two at a time. Any more than that is not that we don't enjoy each other's company, but it gets a little difficult to sustain. You still need to sustain energy. We're still talking. Yes, it's a conversation we're having, but we're aware that people are listening and we want it to be entertaining for them and then how frequently we try to do it at least once every two weeks if not once a week when Mm -hmm. we're really trying to bank which is great because also it in the times of covid when everyone's stuck at home it gives me an excuse to shoot the breeze with how that's really the the main thing about this is you know friends come in and out of your life and not that i'm worried that hal and i would ever not be in one another's lives but this is no we are sitting down once a week and we are having a conversation the two of us just because we are absolutely delighted by one another and uh we're lucky that people want to listen to it absolutely i wasn't waiting for you to agree i there there was a brief pause there i didn't like look into the camera and go right hal <laughs> i'm going to guess this is one we have the same answer to by the way, this is from Jenna Ooh. Yamada. Hi, Jenna. The great Jenna Yamada, who we've known for many years. Yes. Jenna writes, wow, three hundo. Congratulations. If you could visit Thanks, the set Jen. of any TV show from your childhood, what would it be and why? One, two, three. Mr. Rogers. You can't do that on television. What? Oh, <laughs> yes. Mr. Rogers neighborhood. No, no. Would yours I be thinking, you can't do that on television? Because well, we I was thinking in the recently. moment. I think so. I was thinking about that show. For those who don't know, you can't do that on television. It was a sketch show in the early 80s from Canada that was all kids. But yeah, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood is like, that's just, it's the land of make-believe. It's Fred Rogers. You get the to sit house. and hang out with Fred Rogers. Also, um, the show, you can't do that on television. I was just thinking how excited that show made me when I was a kid. Sure. But also, the kids are in deep, deep peril on that show. There's a firing squad. Yeah. There's... A dungeon. Mm-hmm. There's terrible, terrible food from Barth. Yeah, a that, home life that is really, really problematic. Yeah, if you go to Blip's arcade, he's constantly trying to cheat you out of money. Yeah, it was. I guess now that now that I think about it, the world I would love to live in is the world of Mister Rogers. Yeah, I would just love to see those sets. I know that they're put together, but it's so pleasing to look at. And th- that I remember of all the shows that I watched as a kid was the place I wanted to visit. And mm-hmm. be the most. I loved Sesame Street, but it was like Scorsese's New York outside, whatever they showed. <laughs> like the kid taking his llama to the dentist or going around the corner to it, like Hell's Kitchen to go get some milk and butter and eggs. Oh. Like that yeah. was not. I, I, Meanwhile, on Mr. Rogers, there was live jazz. Exactly. All that music was done live. It was. And yeah. per- and perfectly. Oh, so Amen. good. You're right. Mr. Rogers Neighborhood is the correct answer. <laughs> Asked and answered. <laughs> Asked and answered. Kathleen Cashman asks, favorite place you've recorded an episode? Please, not Hal's car. Crying laughing emoji. I think on an airplane. We recorded an episode. We've recorded the episode window seat or aisle seat mm-hmm. on an airplane. Was it between New Zealand and Australia? We were flying from be- Australia to New Zealand. Yeah, that I think was my favorite location that we've ever recorded. 
That was pretty great. I think I have to go with the backseat of my car only because the circumstances are great, which is you had locked yourself out of your place. But also it <laughs> added a dimension to those episodes. I remember one of them was like Netflix versus – it was either Netflix versus Hulu versus Amazon Prime mm-hmm. or streaming versus watching TV live. But the, the topics didn't even matter. It was really about the fact that we were trapped in a hot car in the valley <laughs> trying to get through the ep- – like we've got to finish this episode before one of us passes out on oh. heat stroke. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. Josh Coyle is another question about behind the scenes or BTS. We are podcast. zipping through these questions. I'm used to one question taking an hour to answer. Ken said we can only do an hour this week. Okay. Because we have our show. We have our live. Sorry, show. I was so long-winded about Disneyland. <laughs> You're forgiven. Josh Coyle asks, how much time passes between recording and posting? It depends. In the case of every episode you've heard leading up to this one. It was recorded in somewhere in August or September. So it took yeah. a while, which is why things that happen were happening in the world. We didn't really record about like there were, I, I recorded mm-hmm. a lot of other podcasts around the election and you hear a very different howl in those episodes than you hear what we mm-hmm. recorded earlier this year because I was at a different emotional place at that point. Yeah. So now we're real time. I like when they're a little bit closer to release when we record mm-hmm. them, but it's also good to have a lead and not feel the pressure to get one in the can because, you know, sometimes life gets in the way and one or the other of us can't record at a specific time. Yeah. I like to think of us as, uh, it's like bagpipes. You know, you can fill that big old bladder up with air and then you make the music. So you fill the bladder with air and then you make the music. The bladder's always got to have some air in it to make the music. We, we sometimes fill it way super full of air. Sometimes we just get a little bit of air in there because we only know we're about to drop a week's worth of music of bagpipes yeah what hmm? what you, i lost you for a minute hal i've gone just as long as our as long as our air bladder is always full i think that's, that's right important the Look, bagpipe we haven't recorded in a while i'm rusty we will forever whine like a bladder full of air being pushed out <laughs> through a series of pipes <laughs> yeah what is Furman doing the bagpipe version of our theme oh my god <laughs> Sorry about that, everybody. <laughs> Ashley Gillard has a question about you and I, a personal question. Ooh. Which is, how did we meet? Do you remember the first time we met? No. It was like 20 years ago. <laughs> I remember, because it was within a week of you arriving to L.A. That's right. Eric Edelstein and I, multiple-time guest, went through Second City together out here in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And when you're going through, especially when you're young and getting into improv and sketch, you will perform anywhere you can. So he, Eric was like, you and I and a couple of other people were, were going to go perform at the next stage, which was an upstairs theater in a strip mall on yeah. La Brea Avenue, just north of Hollywood, above Mashdi Malone's ice cream. Yeah. It is a place north that, of Hollywood, in oh, north of Hollywood Boulevard. North of Hollywood Boulevard, yeah. And it is not there anymore. And it... No, there's a good reason because nobody was at our show except for Mark was the only person I think in the audience. Who, there were, you had, you had met Eric. Did you know Eric ahead of I time? I had met, no, I had met Eric when we were working at, so I met Eric through Rob Adler, who was mm-hmm. my roommate when I first was also moved. in my class. Yeah. So he was a, he was sort of a DePaul connection that linked everybody. You guys were all working at Second City together. I knew I wanted to get involved with Second City. Uh, there was one night at Dimples where I met a few people. Uh, I don't think you were there that night. No. No. 
uh, so this was, yeah, this was at the next stage. You guys were doing a show there. And I actually, I remember one phrase that periodically pops into my head, one highly inappropriate phrase, but it made me laugh in the moment, which at some point someone, it might have been you, Hal, okay. uh, used the phrase Flintstein's Jewable Vitamins. And that phrase, <laughs> was that you? Could have been. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> but that phrase stuck in my head. I was like, that is the dumbest funny thing I've heard in a while. <laughs> And I, since subsequently, I also did shows at that theater, not at the next stage. That was the big house that had a couple people the in one the next audience. Door. I did it at the theater next door, the tray stage, Yes, which I did a show there and I invited a girl that I liked. Me and some buddies were doing an improv show. I was like, I got an improv show with my friends. Come see the show. And she was the only person in the audience. <laughs> yeah. So if you're starting out in comedy, just know you will definitely have some shows where there is one person in the audience. It's kind of like the battle scar that all improvisers and sketch oh, yeah. performers and comedians, like any kind of performer, like doing a show for hardly anybody in the audience where the cast outnumbers the audience. Lord knows I did that for years. Oh, yeah. Years. It takes a long time. So if you're a young performer or a performer who's just starting, have patience and keep, keep doing going. it. Yeah. Okay. And just know that some of the shows, you're going to do some of the funniest stuff you've ever done and one or two people will see it. Yeah, exactly. That's uh, the story you told me, which I don't think is even your story, also from Disneyland, about the guy who played guitar in New Orleans Square, who during a break was like, I just played the greatest lick of my entire life. And then afterwards, a mother walked up and asked me where the bathroom is. Oh, that's Ernie. Rest yeah. in peace, Ernie. He was the last employee of Disneyland that was hired by Walt Disney himself. And I, one of the treats of my job was getting to watch Ernie play jazz live from a stool in New Orleans Square. Amazing. Unreal. But yeah, we knew each other. We were kind of in one another's orbit for years. We were different. Mm -hmm. I finished Second City ahead of Mark, but I was at Mark's level five show and then we were, I think we've talked about how we both got involved in thrilling. You can find that story elsewhere, mm -hmm. but that was really where we spent more and more time together. And now here we are inseparable. Yeah. Exactly. Let's see. What do we have next? Oh, this is a <laughs> Annie McGow. Is it McGow or McGuff? I've said them both. If you could do another podcast with each other, what would the topic be? So what, what other kind of podcast could we do together? Also in a WGT movie, who would play Mark and who would play Hal? Hmm. I think a fun other podcast to do, and we've talked about doing this as a bonus thing, is like a Nichols and May type improvised audio. Yeah. Piece. Yeah. I would love to do some, some improvisations with you. I think that would be, uh, fun. it's always fun improvising together. Yeah. To do something fictional. Yeah. Fictional and improvised would be fun. Also, just based on the constraints of this show, I think that we could, uh, have another show that's just Hal and I, but it's just us. Talking about politics and swearing. <laughs> In a different religious institution. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, every every episode we covered the topic of what's the best religion. Yeah. Which we haven't done in a while. We haven't done that bit in a while, but that bit always for our whole like first year of the show, that bit made me laugh People that I always it. wanted to do the topic uh, best religion and you always shut it down. <laughs> Uh, um, who, who who do you want to play you in the we got this movie me yeah i want to play myself too yeah guys we're in sag we are screen actors 
and we need health insurance. Do you think we're not available? Yeah. Is that what this is about, Annie? We're both available. Like, we'll Come on, do Annie. It. Is, are you casting this movie, Annie? Yeah. Look, I know it's really tempting to get George Clooney and Brad Pitt to play the two of us. But look, we can do it. We know us better than they know us. I mean, they know us pretty well, but we know us better. <laughs> That's true. Oh, boy. Here's one. I don't know. Um, I can't believe this story has never been told. Maybe it has, but we're going to tell it now. Lucy what? Peratt asks, have you ever lost an episode? Congrats on 300. <laughs> Let me set the How? stage for you. Yeah. I Go think ahead. this was in 2016. We were both in, well, you were living in New York at the time and I was yeah. in town to do Night Vale and there was a blizzard that made it almost impossible. The second show was canceled. We got one show that was, mm-hmm. that, that we did. And I, at the time I had this big portable mixing board. Yeah. That I was using to record stuff on because I'd seen it at, at San Francisco Sketchfest and I was constantly looking for what equipment can I use to not only be portable, but to make it sound the best possible. I want to be able to control our levels because Mark has a, a naturally, he projects better than I do. I have a little bit thinner voice or, or just different, our voices sit in different places. So I got this. Uh, you, thing. You're, you're missing, a, you're missing a word, by the way. This is a new thing that you've oh, got. This is new. And like a lot of technology I inherited from, I inherited from my father, just the ability to know how things work without using the manual. So we set up three records for, for that day. One with Joseph Fink doing best French fry cut, one with Jeffrey Craner doing best movie snack, and one with Cecil Baldwin doing coffee or tea. We recorded Joseph first, then Jeffrey. Then Cecil in the sequence that I pressed buttons because I didn't know how to do it. And I learned later I had to look it up. We recorded the Joseph episode, then recorded the Jeffrey episode over the Joseph episode, then recorded the Cecil episode over the Jeffrey episode over the Joseph episode. So <laughs> that episode, that coffee versus tea yeah. episode was supposed to be one of a series of Night Vale records that we did not get to complete. And now we should record with Joseph. We, we absolutely since had Jeffrey on the show. Since you ruined our Night Vale WGT turducken. I, did. I ruined the turducken. <laughs> I ruined the chirpumple. I ruined the turducken. Oh, man, the chirpumple. I haven't talked about a chirpumple in a while. Can we tell people what a chirpumple is? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, a, ch- a chirpumple is the dessert version of a turducken. It is a three-tier cake, and inside each of the tiers of the cake is an entire pie. Yes. A cherry, a pumpkin, and an apple. So it's like an apple pie inside of a vanilla cake, mm-hmm. pumpkin, pumpkin pie, spice. In, pumpkin pie inside inside of a spice cake, and a cherry pie inside of a chocolate cake. Yeah, and, and it is magical. Charles Phoenix, who's the guy who popularized the recipe via YouTube mm-hmm. video, he's a fantastic Americana expert. He released a cookbook that I just bought for the holidays that includes <gasps> the chipumple recipe. What? In fact, the book is like built on the front. It says, "We have the chipumple recipe." It's in there. Oh my god. That's recipe. such a complicated recipe because it's literally <laughs> six, six recipes that you have to do in, in their entirety. They're pre-made. It's cake mixes and pre-made, but you still have to ice it and make it. And it's incredibly heavy because the pies yeah. are, pies are heavy things. Yeah. There's no like, yeah, there's, there's, there pies are dense. Yeah. Okay. I don't know why, I don't know why that deserved such a long <laughs> and final period at the end of the sentence. Pies are dense. I'll, I'll tell you what we're going to do. That's a great place to take a break. 
So we're going to do that. We actually have sponsors on this show now, and we have cool sponsors. Every sponsor you hear on this show, we have approved. Yeah. Like, we have said, yes, we will advertise with these people. And hopefully, they're things that you need or want to use. You checking them out helps us as well. So you're going to listen to some actual ads that we've recorded for things that we actually believe in. And you're going to hear about some great shows on the Maximum Fun Network. And then we'll be back to answer more of your questions. This episode of We Got This with Mark and Hal is brought to you by Magic Spoon. Not only is it something that we are lucky to have as a sponsor, this is something that I am, Hal knows this, legit obsessed with and have already killed off four boxes. (laughs) Yes, me too. I love cereal and I love that it's healthy and an alternative to all the sugar cereals that I wanted as a kid but shouldn't have as an adult. Magic Spoon has zero sugar, 11 grams of protein, and only three net grams of carbs in each serving. And it comes in four fantastic flavors that we got to try, which is cocoa, fruity, frosted, and blueberry. Mark, what's your favorite? Real quick. Hal, I keep going back and forth. I know I said last time I thought fruity was going to be my favorite, and then blueberry turned out to be my favorite. Two boxes later, I think I've changed my mind. I think fruity is now my favorite because it evokes a special moment from my childhood. It was a trick question. They're all fantastic. It's also keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, and GMO-free. Go to magicspoon.com forward slash we got this to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code we got this at checkout to get free shipping. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money. No questions asked. But you're not going to do it. It's too good. No, it's delicious. That's magicspoon.com slash we got this. Use the code we got this for free shipping. Thank you, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring the podcast. Well, hello. I'm Renee Colvert. Hi, I'm Alexis Preston, and we are the host of Can I Pet Your Dog? And we got breaking news. We got an expose. It all the beans have been spilled via an Apple podcast review that said this show isn't well researched. <gasps> well, yeah, no duh. Of course it's not. Not since the day we started has it been well-researched. Guessing and anthropomorphizing dogs is what we do. The Can I Pet Your Dog promise is that we will never do more than 10 seconds of research before telling you excitedly about any dog we see. I'm going to come at you with top 10 enthusiasm, minimal facts. We're here for a good time, not an educated time. So if you love dogs and you don't love research, well, (laughs) you know what? Come on in to Can I Pet Your Dog podcast every Tuesday on Maximum Fun Network. We Got This is supported in part by Libby. Libby is a free reading app created by Overdrive that lets you borrow ebooks and audiobooks from your library on your phone, tablets, Kindle, or computers. All you need is a valid library card from your library. Even if you don't have a library card currently, you can read samples of any book you see. Libby works just like your physical library, too. You simply borrow available books you want to read, and then they return themselves automatically after your loan expires. Mark, you've been a Libby user for years. I'm getting on the train. Just yeah. uh, at once they joined, I was like, I didn't even realize this was possible. How great is it? It's wonderful. I've been using Libby for years. And you know how the library is like, you think, oh, I'll go to the bookstore and get this book. And then you go, wait, I can just go to the library and borrow it for free. And libraries are kind of the greatest idea of all time. Libby is just the digital version of that. So instead of buying books and filling up my Kindle with purchased books, I can now fill up my Kindle and have been filling up my Kindle with books that I checked out from the library. I read them. I finish 
finish them. I give them back. It is a sharing economy, and this is the best version of sharing that I've come across. Start reading with Libby now. Go to meet.libbyapp.com to sign up. That's meet.libbyapp.com. Get on the reading train, people. Okay, let's jump right in. Oh, how was your break, Hal? It was good. Yeah. I had a little nap. Ooh, that was short because then, because we rolled right through into this. I've been practicing macro napping. Ooh. Micro nap. Well, macro napping that I'm <laughs> macro napping. napping. <laughs> macro napping is Kathleen Cashman just sleeping asks, all the time. Yeah, I'm constantly in a state of slumber. I'm inceptioning myself right now as I record. Kathleen Cashman asks, well, first Kathleen Cashman says, congrats, and then asks, who does more research ahead of discussion? You or Mark? And then, Shout out to Kate McManus for doing the most slash best research. So we'll start with the conceit that we wanted to work on Mm -hmm. when we were signing roles was that you would be the researched one and I would shoot from the hip. But mm-hmm. that comes from you wanting to do a re- – you don't like to go into things blind. So you I'm going to be honest. Do. I did not know that that was ever codified. You Well, you said that. That was something you expressed. Yeah, I think it just sort of happened that way. I right. tend to go down internet rabbit holes for no reason other than curiosity a lot. Yeah. And so I think I have a tendency to want to – learn about things like i i remember when we, we did an episode should chili have beans or not i was like hal nobody discusses this this is not a there's no way we're going to get a whole episode out of this topic and i was like trust me trust right. me so i started researching it and boy is there a dense history of chili and whether or not it should have beans in it so i see i'd say between the two of us i do more research but really the researcher for the show is kate mcmanus yes. she's the one that that she will give us, uh, like when I do research, it's just me having a bunch of tabs open that I've half memorized and sort of scanning between them while we're in the middle of recording an episode. With Kate, it is a, we have a spreadsheet and we have things broken down by categories and it makes the episode, it makes recording an episode a lot easier because we have not a script, but we have, uh, at least a structure. Because it provides not only research for the show, but the spreadsheet provides structure for what criteria we choose. So a lot of times when we talk about criteria on the show, like, what are we going to use to weigh this decision against this one? The criteria we're using are just the table headers that Kate gave us. That's right. And if you want to know what really goes into all that research, here's Kate to explain it herself. Hey, people of the world. It's me, researcher Kate McManus. I've been researching for Mark and Hal for about five years, and since then you've had some questions about that process, so we thought for this mailbag I should take a crack at those. First up, Sarah Larson. I got involved with the show by responding to a tweet of Hal's, which I do pretty often, Uh, and then I followed up with an email that I probably wrote about six times and an offer to share my resume. I was just at a library school, and despite working two part-time jobs, I was afraid that I was never going to become a librarian. I was very happy when they said yes to having me pinch hit behind the scenes. Nowadays, if they know a topic in advance, I'll get an email from Hal, and we'll talk about how he and Mark would like to have that research structured, and if they have any criteria or categories that they need me to cover. I'll do a major first pass in Google Drive to get things as complete as possible. Generally speaking, it doesn't take me too long. I think best Oscar film took me the longest, to be honest. Then I send the link to the Docker sheet to Hal, and they go through and make sure I don't miss anything. Moving right along. Hi, Gretchen. I see you. Gretchen asked a bunch of questions that have been posed over the years, so here we go. Uh, The next question is about favorite research topics. 
I never really know what I'm going to get from Hal, which is kind of the fun of it. But one topic that's really memorable was our ghost reel, which became one of my favorite episodes to research. The stories and the property listings and those kind of spiritualistic movements I find really interesting. And it's probably one of my favorite episodes to re-listen to. My least favorite episode to research was Best Fictional President. I did it. And I did it without complaining because I'm not a baby. But the timing of it, I was already feeling very bruised. And seeing that there hadn't been very many female characters in the role of president that hadn't been vice president first was really eye-opening to me. Also for spiders versus snakes, I had to ask my librarian friend Kirsten Menzer to do the snake portion, which uh, thankfully the guys were cool with because I have a phobia of snakes. The next question is if I have any advice for aspiring researchers. So in my day job, I teach Introduction to Library Research. Uh, so I could answer this question for about 90 minutes, up to two hours, but I'm not going to do that today. I will spare you. <laughs> but the long and short of it is it's a lot of brainstorming. I'm not doing academic work or academic research for We Got This. So generally, I, I ask Hal what he and Mark are thinking about already, the sort of categories and criteria and then I do some brainstorming about what we might be missing. Um, I try and really think holistically about a topic and think about things from other people's perspectives that aren't straight white males. And looking for those gaps, I think, is really important. And, you know, I probably miss stuff, too, for which I apologize. Usually I'm doing a lot of pop culture or fanish research, which I have a lot of experience of. So generally, I head to fan sites to see what they're talking about because I really strongly believe that nobody knows a topic like a fan. This really helps when I'm not familiar with the fandom. So I hope that answers that question. You can let me know. The final question is if there are any topics that I would love to provide research for. I sometimes find it hard to provide research for topics that I'm passionate about because I don't want my opinions to sway the show in any way. So for example, I recently helped with best background Star Wars character. And since Joseph helped me out with that research, I made some assumptions about the kinds of characters that he noticed and decided to go in and add a lot of prequel characters. Most of you know I have really strong feelings about Star Wars, so I really have to button that up when I do the research for the show. Yeah, that said, if there are any specifically library science topics, they know who to call. But that research might be a little bit more biased because I'm dealing with those issues every day. So I think that's about it for me. I've had a lot of fun with this community over the years, and I'm really grateful to be a part of it. Thank you, people of the world. Thank you. And thank you to Hal, Mark, and Ken. So that's all from me, except to say, wear your masks, be safe, and happy holidays. Thank you, Kate, for that enlightening drop-in that thank you pre-recorded. You. Thank We're you. not here with us. Thank you. No. We wish you Okay. Were. So... I hear two that are kind of related. First, I'll go uh, from Rod Morrow. What work juice player that hasn't been on the show do you want to have on besides Paget? Which one do you want back on? So I don't think there are any core work juice players that are left that haven't yeah that have not done the show, and including we've had some former work juice players. One we have not had on yet that we need to have on is James Urbaniak. Yes. Absolutely. And that is just a mat. That really is on us. Every time we see him. I know. We never. Like, Hello, boys. So we got to be recording. So, so we do need to record yeah. with James. So that will, it, I would say 
before <laughs> before February, you will probably have an episode with James in it because now yeah. none of us are going anywhere. Are there any Thrilly Adventure Hour guests we have not? Because we've had also some of the very notable guests that we've had. on. We've been blessed with guests on Thrilly Adventure Hour who've also agreed to do We Got This, including Weird Al, Nathan Fillion, mm-hmm. Zachary Levi is probably the latest example from that yeah. list. Is there somebody who has done thrilling in any way that we have not yet had on? That would be oh, like yeah. a, a dream get because there are other people we haven't had Yuri. Or We've had Tara on yet. On. We have to have them on. There's like there's a long list that we have of people who we love who are yeah. fabulously talented and wonderful people that we just haven't had on yet. And it's not. And then people that there's a difference I think between people that we just want to talk to. Mm-hmm. Like I'll give you one that I just want to talk to, and one that I think because I know she has a bajillion opinions. Okay. One that I just want to talk to. I would love to have Emily Blunt on the show. Yes. Because she was just so kind. For those who don't know, she came into Thrilling Adventure Hour and was an absolute delight. Yes. And another one who is also incredibly kind, but I love following her on Twitter because she's hilarious and super opinionated, Mm -hmm. is Yvette Nicole Brown. Oh, my goodness. To have Yvette on this show, she's she has opinions about everything. And uh, Ken just just put one in the chat here that I don't know if I would be able to handle it being the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fan that I am without just asking a million questions about Phil Coulson, but to have Clark Gregg on the show. We should try to have Clark Gregg on the show. There was a time on in Thrilling, and I want to say it was around 2011, where mm-hmm. we regularly had people from community on the show. So that's Gillian Jacobs. Allison Bree did the show a whole bunch. Mm-hmm. And Danny Pudi. They all were, were there multiple times. We did shows with them in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. All of them, because they came from improv backgrounds and from ensemble backgrounds, were all the sweetest, easiest people to work with. Yvette came a little bit later. She also just so nice, so sweet, mm-hmm. so wonderful. And we have not had any of those people on. And I would love to have any of them on. Anytime. I would also add to that list someone who I thought was great. You said Emily Blunt. She was fantastic. Ryan has also done the show, Ryan Johnson. And yeah. we've, we've tried to schedule and have been unable to schedule him so far, but hopefully at some point. But also Emily's husband, John Krasinski, was such a cool dude. He also did that mm-hmm. episode, and it'd be great to have him on. Let's tag on to that. Dave Hoffman. Who is your dream guest whom you doubt would ever do the show? Barack Obama. That's mine too. Yeah. Barack Obama. For sure. So Barack. Barack, (laughs) if you're listening. I'm sorry. No, no, no. This signifier apparently lasts for life. Mm -hmm. Mr. President. Mr. President, please. Please come on the show. We're available. We'll we'll get this together. He does podcasts. (laughs) He does. That's time to do ours. Exactly. Okay. We got time for a couple more. All right. This is a good one. Anna Brecky. Or Anna Breck asks, mm-hmm. what's your favorite episode and why? Oh, wow. I think my favorite episode is the one that we recorded live in San Francisco at Sketchfest because we were talking about Star Trek versus Star Wars, mm-hmm. which is a sort of a seminal binary choice and perfectly in line with the premise of the show. Mm-hmm. Also, we had Adam Savage as our guest who has worked on both properties and right. dropped some really, really cool science about the differences between Star Trek and Star Wars. And then we had an amusingly belligerent John Hodgman storm in halfway through the episode and then drop more science on us 
definitively in a way that only the wonderful joy that is John Hodgman can do. Yeah, they, that was a great episode. We have a ton of great guest episodes. My two favorites. One is the liquid versus bar versus phone soap, just because it went so <laughs> off the rails. My favorites are, are, and it's, I, I always recommend it to people who aren't familiar with the show. And it's a weird thing to recommend because why is that a topic that anybody would care about? And m- maybe they don't. You, you have opinions on it, even if you don't think you do, but I just love. We had so much fun doing it and we were just on a roll and kind of in the pocket and everything clicked. The other one, just because it was so crazy, was the best as seen on TV product because it revolved around oh, the Papa, Papa Bernard, the mashed potatoes. Oh, God. Mashed potatoes guy. Yeah. And it, it was just ridiculous. And we laughed and had a great time. And, the, and that was us in person with one another. And I just love when we're together in a room, the energy is different. Because we're yeah. both so excited to be together. And I mean, like I, you dropped off a blue screen to me recently and I mm-hmm. gave you Werther's candies. You did, which are, oh man, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Almost gone. Good. I'm glad that's what they're supposed to be. They're so almost good. gone. But Werther's choose people choose. It's so difficult to see you in person and you're in your car and I'm standing at appropriate distance away and not want to rip you out of the car and give you a big hug. It's like I know it sucks oh. and very painful. So I look forward to the time when we can be in a room together again, recording. Cause it's, it's I mean, we can, the, the pandemic's a hoax. Oh, that's right. We'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to still have that sneezing contest? Yes. Okay. The open mouth sneezing contest though. The closed mouth sneezing contest is for wimps. Exactly. All right. Carla Toll asks, <laughs> how much time per week do you spend on We Got This? Hal, I know you work a full-time job plus at least three podcasts. Do you sleep? I sleep a little bit. I think I sleep like five to six hours per night. That's sort of where I've said That's it? In. Yeah. If I go to bed, I'll give you an example. This Friday night, I think I went to bed around – Jennifer and I went to bed at like nine or ten. We, I was just wiped out. I woke up at 3.30 in the morning, yesterday morning. And I just started your day? Sleep. That was it. I thought I could go back to sleep. I went out into the living room because I figured I'd watch a movie or something and have like something with a little sound on on my iPad. And I thought maybe I'll go back to sleep. And I couldn't. I was just up. So I, yeah. I last night I went to bed at 11 and then woke up at like 6. So yeah. I got about seven hours there. Right. But that's, that's about good. where I settle in. In terms of work... Ken does the lion's share. He is editing and doing mm-hmm. everything. So I spend my time is literally the uploading and then just posting it in different places. So it's it's not a lot. Recording wise, most of what you hear, if an episode is an hour long, we probably recorded it for about an hour 15 with mm-hmm. all the little things that Ken cuts out to make it sound as tight as possible. So it's really just the whatever the recording time is in a week plus the the. 20 to 30 minutes it takes to post the amount of time i spend is mostly just the recording time uh shamefully i do the least amount of outside work aside from no that's not true the researching i like to dabble in but yeah it's it's all ken doing all the homework on the back end yeah okay i three more and then we're done i promise cool i look i'm here man i know i know leo genesek or Genacek asks other than the one true faith, i.e. best religion, is there any topic or <laughs> or are there any topics that you've rejected? I can only think of one that you've rejected that is a clean slate topic. 
because yeah, he didn't want to go it, back to the bathroom. It's just bathroom humor. And it was, yeah, it was one of those, like, I don't, I don't, I, I think that we can do better. Like, but we can't. What if we can't? What I, I think it was like it was something about how do you wipe? Yeah, it was either it was like standing or sitting, or was yeah. it like front to back? Or no, whatever. I think it was. But I think people people are very. We've really tapped whatever into, it was. It was super gross. Yeah, we've really tapped into wipe culture. Yeah, and people I guess. want to know <laughs> these wipe things. So, but that's that we've stayed away from. I don't can't think of. That's other the only things. topic that I was like, no, nah, let's just not do that because that just feels like base. Yeah, even the stuff that would be political, which is like best president. Mm-hmm. We haven't done worst president. That would be definitely political. But we did best past president to explain. Would, I would also be pretty timely. Exactly. So we I have to throw a little bit in. I have to just get a little bit. I in. know. I know you do. <laughs> I'm right there with you. Uh, but I can't think of other things we've rejected. Th- this kind of falls into lost episode territory, which is mm-hmm. when we did best Dorito flavor and I bought all the different variety. I bought every variety of Dorito. I could find. I think I went to multiple stores to do it. Mm-hmm. And you were so concerned about us eating on microphone that you forbid us from you didn't want it released. We even I even negotiated the release of another episode yeah. by saying we wouldn't release this one. And then Ken was like, I listen, I've treated, I've taken out all the chewing. Ken was the one who kept pushing, like, it's a yeah, really it's a, good episode. For me, it's just I'm very anti- Chewing. I guess, you know, you've like taken mic technique classes and stuff like that is rule number one. As I say, as I've sat here drinking wine, you're currently drinking coffee while I'm talking like it's water. Oh, all right. I was drinking, you know, drinking my water out of a bottle or whatever. But like the idea of chewing and crunching deliberately on a mic, it, yeah, you, it really bothers me. So that, that was the true. only one that I didn't want drop. And then we fixed it. Yeah. So we could make it out. It didn't need the crunching. Yeah. It's almost better to have you upset about the crunching and then no crunching in the episode. <laughs> I know. I think I spent half the episode just going, I'm doing this under protest. Yeah. Q Fortier and also Logan. Hey, happy Marie. birthday, Q. Happy belated birthday, Q. Belated birthday. By the way, did you see the, the ultimate video of I have his not birthday? seen the open. I watched I have it. not seen the ultimate video yet. You and I are by far the least famous people on that video. It's I'm like, well, oh my god, everyone Q knows is a all-star. This is like yeah. a Comic-Con all-star team. He's the most connected person on the planet. It's fascinating. Except for Ken. He Except and Ken, Ken and Mel Kalo are the three most connected people that I know. And Kevin world. Bacon. Well, sure, I mean, come on. Kevin Bacon is the axis of the universe. Q4 Day also Loki Cabri asked this. How did the idea of the podcast come up and how did it come to be? I'll I'll give the quick answer on this, which is mm-hmm. we were told, I think, six months. We were told a few months ahead of when it was announced and about a year before the Adventure Hour ended that it was it was ending. Acker and Blacker took us out in pairs to a meal to tell us I was paired with yeah. Craig. Who were you paired with? Annie? I was paired with Annie. Yeah. So I realized as it was closing that I wanted to, that there was an opportunity. There are people who are fans of Thrilling Adventure Hour. If I started my own thing, maybe some of them would come and follow me if I had something good to do. Also, you were moving to New York. I didn't want to to lose contact with you. So I basically like grabbed you off the decks of the Titanic and said, hey, (laughs) we should do a show. Here's here's the idea. And you were, of course, amenable because you're just an agreeable person. And that was I'd had that idea for a show. I thought it would be a good idea. And you were into it. And that's that's really like all it was. Yeah. And it's, and it just sort of from there, we just kind of enjoyed doing it. And then, you know, 
it's been going since then. I think, let me ask you a question, Hal. Yeah. I may be the, oh, I, because I think this word is perfect to describe our show, mm-hmm. but I know you don't drink. Am I the only one between the two of us that refers to our show as settling arguments? I, I use it sometimes, but only because you use it. And I, and I, I think that's a good shorthand for what the show is. Yeah. All it's right. better than a more long-winded explanation that I would do, like when I was describing the cap of your bottle. <laughs> but it also, this is like a lesson to everybody out there who has a podcast idea. We just started doing it. it yeah, just start the, talking. There's such a low barrier to entry. Just do it and start getting episodes out, and you will figure it out as you go along. You, you can change formats. You can evolve the show. You, yeah. You're going to learn. It'll sound better as you go. Listen to any podcast that you like. Go back and listen to the early episodes of it, and you'll hear people figuring out how to do their show. Mm-hmm. Okay, I got a series from Jay McCracken. This is our second to last, but I'm squeezing a bunch in. The penultimate series. What slash where is your happy place? That's number one. Number two, what did you have to give up to achieve your current level of success? That's number two. Number three, of what are you most afraid? So let's wow, start. Wow, this is going deep. Let's go in reverse. Let's start with what are you the most afraid of? I can mm. answer this. I have an answer to this. Okay. I have constant anxiety about the decisions I make. The thing I'm most afraid of is that nobody likes me and I'm not any good at anything. And everybody who says differently is just trying to placate me, which it doesn't even jibe. This is part of what I discuss in therapy is like working through yeah. these feelings. But if if nobody likes you, then why would they care that you feel good by telling you that you're good at something? So it's really like that that self-doubt that I think plagues a lot of people who are performers. Those are those are my biggest fears and spiders. <laughs> I'm afraid of spiders. Um yeah, I think that I think it's it's similar for me. I think like my my biggest fear is the idea that I am hurting somebody. And it, but it, but like it weirdly permeates a lot of things, mm-hmm. which is why I'm I'm so rarely on Facebook or like a lot of social media stuff. And it's not be, and you and I've talked about this. It's it, I'm just sure. going to air some of it here. Um, it's because and I know that there are settings I can change and all this stuff. And I just sort of got the reason I got off of that train was I started having like friend requests start to pile up. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, I need to go through these. And cause some of them are people I know. Some of them are people that I know peripherally. I'd like to be able to go through these and sort them. That's going to be a, a sit down and do it kind of thing. But then I got into my head like, Oh no, I can't post anything or even like a picture because what if somebody who I not accepted a friend request from yet? What if they see that and then they think that I am in some way insulting them? So I guess it's. My fear is not like hurting people and not that I aspire to hurt people, but my biggest fear is like insulting someone and then them not wanting to talk to me anymore. Right. Which is, you know, uh, what it is, but also nail files. I can't be in the same room as a nail file. I know. I know, you know, know. my stepmother once took a nail file and put it inside a Christmas card. And that was my Christmas card was a nail file, an emery board inside a Christmas card. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. she's funny. Pain in the ass, but funny. I I do want to add to this just very quickly. There's a difference between having those fears, which a lot of us have, those reservations, Mm -hmm. those insecurities, and letting those things stop you from going after what you want or improving and getting better as a person and just making it through life. So it's okay to have fears and continue to work through them. Like, I don't let any of that stop me. I keep going. And that's something that I remind myself of 
And that has helped immensely. You know, it's something I've worked on that I feel way better about now than I did when I started to work on it. So there's yeah. hope for all of us. Amen. What did you have to give up to achieve your current level of success? I don't think about it in terms of sacrifice and maybe I guess some of the things that you give up are working and I have worked a stable job for almost 11 years yeah, at, at one place, which I'm very grateful for, but you do, you're maybe giving up some of the trappings of a normal life and, but I don't even think it was a sacrifice. I think of it as a privilege to get to do the things that I do and every single step I've taken whether it was in the right direction or the wrong direction, got me where I am now, which is great and not even where I'm ultimately going. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, uh, I, I agree with you completely on that. You have a more stable life than I do. Like I, for me, it's a lot of, I, it's a lot of personal stuff too. Like, you know, you've, you're married, you've got Jen there with you. You've got, uh, you've got a, a steady job. I just kind of go with the flow of things work wise, which, you know, is, uh, can be a solitary road to go down. So I think that having that artist experience, I guess that's been what's the trade off has been. I haven't had the normal life of, you know, the 2.3 kids, the white picket fence, the steady job, the, you know, a lot of the stuff that you see actors and writers and directors create as what a normal life should look like and the things that you should be aspiring toward on television and movies. I've aimed more toward being in the television and movies and not toward those things. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Well, let's end this question on a happy note. I know it's such a, like we went straight to therapy for it uh, is. Well, I mean, they're, they're deep yeah. questions. I'm happy what to slash where is your happy place? Epcot world showcase. Okay. Good one. Good one. I realize that has nothing to do with friends and family and be, being together. No, man, I, I love Epcot. I love going to all those fake countries. Honestly, mine, I always feel really charged every time I'm there as a recording booth, whether it's yeah. for a workshop or especially for a job. I feel comfortable. I feel like it's where I'm supposed to be. And I just come out of it feeling like for a time I've lived my ideal life, even whether it was for a couple hours or for a couple of days, just doing that, even being on set, any kind of creative work like that, mm -hmm. that feels, it always feels right to me and it makes me really happy and that can fuel me for months and months. I love All right. That. We're going to close this episode with our friend Shelly Godifer. You couldn't hey, have Shelley. an episode without Shelly no. checking in. Shelly asks, when I was a reporter, I ended every feature article interview with this question. So that's how we're going to end this episode. What Great. is the one thing you'd like your fans to know that they don't already know? The depth of my gratitude for them. And I'm sorry I don't show it enough via availability and like I mentioned before, but I think that we are nothing without fans as artists. We like you can paint on a cave wall, but somebody's got to look at that cave painting and see a mammoth. You know what I mean? I think it's the depth of the gratitude that I have for the audience is one thing that I would hope that the audience knows. Yeah, I actually, I kind of feel the same way. And so rather than go over that, I, I don't know if it's something I, that I need people to know, but 
I want to go with that. I, I don't want, I feel like you can always get into a space of like, I'm not the characters that I play or anything like that, but I'm so appreciative of all the support that I've gotten for anything I've done, whether it's this show or everything since Thrilling Adventure, the, the extent mm-hmm. to which you are supportive of both of us individually as well as in the show is unfathomable and how much it means how special all of you are as people and that you give your time or any of your attention to us and the extent that you do is deeply deeply appreciated amen and we also appreciate you sticking those of you who've been here since episode one thank Holy you for moly. being here oh my goodness those of you who are brand new Hope you're catching up and enjoying some of your favorite episodes. This show does not happen without all of you. And a special thanks to our producer, Ken Plume. Happy 300th show, Ken Plume. Thank you. Thank you for this. I hope we kept it close enough to an hour that you don't lose your mind trying to edit this together. Also want to thank our researcher, Kate McManus, who has been here since practically the beginning. Graphic designer, Uri Kelman, who gave us the logo that we have. The the first draft logo was done by Mark. And then... Uri, who is a professional graphic designer, came in and made one that even topped that, that has been our logo for five plus years. And our QA engineer, Jen Albo, another great friend of mine and former coworker who would listen to all those early episodes to let us know when there are errant swear words in them. (laughs) And of course, we have to thank our musicians, uh, Jonathan Dinerstein, who wrote the underscoring music at the top when you hear Hal give our big A-team intro. And, of course, Mike Furman, who knocked it out of the park with our theme song. We could not have asked for a better theme song. I think we have the best theme song in all of podcasting. No question. No question. And that is all Mike Furman. And you can hear the music of both of these gentlemen coming up in our concert and live show, our public domain holiday spectacular, uh, which is happening December 10th at 9 p.m. Eastern time and 6 p.m. Pacific time. That's right. Thank you so much for being a part of this show. And that just leaves us to say thank you to the people of the world who have stuck with us this whole time. Without you, we wouldn't have a show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For Hal Loveland, I'm Mark Agliardi. For Mark Agliardi, I'm Hal Loveland. And don't worry, everybody. We, we got, got this. this. We got this. Happy 100th episode, buddy. 300. Wait, what? MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.